This is Sean Green here with Ryan Kramer from the Sports Gambling Podcast, and you're listening to Over Six Sports. Good evening, fans of the Over Six Sports Podcast. It is your boy, Zach the Bandit Burke. And unfortunately, not with me today is Cam the Turf King Charlton. He's uh, uh, he's busy. He's got some stuff on the go right now. So he will not be a part of this episode. So I'm going to be flying solo. That is, you heard that correctly. I'm flying solo on the over six sports podcast for the first time. Um, and yeah, we're going to try to put together a good show for you. And, uh, well, I'm trying to put together a good show for you. Uh, next week we are off. So this is our, this is, we have a, we have a week off next week. Um, I will be out of cell service. I'll be out of reception. I'll be off the grid. You uh, won't get to hear my beautiful and or terrible voice, depending on your opinion, uh, on the airwaves. You only hear that voice on the airwaves next week. So, um, I know Cam's off today, but I still wanted to come out, release the episode. We don't want to go leave you guys too long in between episodes. We don't want you to forget about us. Um, you know, as, as small as we are as a podcast, we, we still, you know, we appreciate everybody who listens on a weekly basis and want to keep uh, pumping uh, out content for you. And, you know, there's, there's lots to talk about. Um, Really, really excited for this week because we do have the Sports Gambling Podcast coming on the show today. Uh, Kind of alluded to that last week, but they are officially coming on the show. So that's going to just be in a little bit. Um, Love Sean Green. Love Ryan Kramer off the, the Sports Gambling Podcast at Gambling Podcast. Uh, if you don't follow them or haven't listened to their podcast, uh, definitely give it a listen. Definitely give them a follow on Twitter. Um you know, definitely worth your time if you are a fan of sports gambling, which on this show we are, but just in sports in general. So I just wanted to uh, kick off the show just by, as I said, just shouting out my boy, uh, the Turf King. I miss you, buddy. Um, you know, the, the show is not the same without you. Uh, but as I said, we we strive on. Uh, but I just wanted to to give out a, a, a shout out to kind of half of half of the show, the Turf King. We all love the Turf King, and we cannot wait in a couple weeks to be back on the show together. Um, so lots to get into. My goodness, since our last podcast, um, there usually we go through our headlines and stuff. And, I mean, there's been a lot kind of going on in the Olympics. So I think that's kind of where I want to start. So the big news from today, from this morning, Andre de Grasse wins the first gold medal for Canada in the 200 meter uh, dash, I guess you could call it 200 meter race. And that's the first gold medal in that race since 1928. Shout out to Andre de Grasse. Uh, Just a stud, man. This guy gets a bronze medal in the 100 meter um, there's a really cool pick from 2016 in Rio where, uh, you know, Usain Bolt obviously won the 200 meter. That's not a massive surprise to any, anybody, but he kind of, there's this picture as they kind of cross the finish line. I think it might've been in the semifinal heat. I don't exactly remember what heat it was, but he's kind of pointing at, at Andre and just, 
you know, kind of as if to say, uh, hey, this is the next guy. This is this is the guy coming up. And he was right. I mean, Andre ran uh, a really, really good race. Um, and what, what I find fascinating as a, as a fan of, um, I, and we talked about this last week, just watching sports that I don't watch. You watch that 200-meter race, and it, it, and it looks like Andre's in third or Andre's in fourth, and that, you know, there's – he's lagging behind and they just turn on the jets and that last hundred meters. And he just blew by the two Americans. And when I say blew by, I mean, he, you know, won by a 10th of a second or something ridiculous like that. But, um, and that sport it's, it's blowing by and he, and he did. And he just, it was, it was really, really good to see. Um, that was this morning. Uh, today is, uh, is Wednesday, August 4th, whenever you're listening to that. So that was this morning. Um, awesome to see. I got to talk to his family, uh, kind of via that Skype, that, that zoom feature that they have. Give me one second. Just going to crack the, the classic over six beer here. Ooh, that's a good sound. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he got to talk to his family, um, and you know, his kids and all that kind of stuff and, and wish them, you know, said, have a good day and that kind of stuff. And you can just tell by his interview, how much he, you know, kind of means to, obviously his family, but just to overall Canadians in general, um, he's meddled at every single kind of major competition that he's ran in. So super, super impressive to see hats off to you, Andre de Grasse. Love it. Um, and, and not only that, I mean, let's keeping with the Olympics, Penny Alexiak wins her seventh medal to become the most decorated uh, Olympian in Canadian history. And there was a lot of stuff floating around, the internet today, she kind of took out a shot at an old teacher. She furthermore came out and said, you know, Hey, like this wasn't a shot at teachers. It was just, you know, one person at one time said I should give up swimming and look where I am now. And, uh, and good for her, man. I mean, it's no, um, you know, it's, it's no little thing to be considered the most decorated Olympian in, uh, in Canadian history. I mean, I don't think that can be understated whether it's, you know, I'm the first to do this or the first to do that. Um, you know, first to walk on the moon. I'm the first to make a COVID vaccine. I'm the first, you know, Canadian to get seven Olympic medals. Super, super impressive. And she kind of came out and said, and something that I really liked to someone who, um, I don't play a lot of kind of individual sports. Obviously golf is one of them, but even golf, you can, you can have team aspects to it. Um, but she said that it was really special for her to win. I think they, it was the bronze medal that they had won in the relay and uh, to get her seventh. And just, just how she you know, said it was really special that it wasn't an individual medal that she was, you know, happy to get that medal and celebrate with her teammates. I, I just, I really like that attitude as you know, and you always want to get gold. Obviously I think that's the, that's the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was, you know, from a competitor aspect and just from a person aspect and just so Canadian to say, Hey, if I'm going to win, um, you know, if I'm going to win my, my seventh medal and it's going to make me the most uh, decorated Canadian, I want to win it with my team. I want to win it with my girls. Uh, and that's what she did along those lines, uh, about winning gold medals, brawn or silver, uh, lots of controversy, not if you follow Piers Morgan on Twitter, but he's kind of been on a tirade and he's a very, uh, he's a guy who shoots from the hip. He's very, you know, opinionated in what he, in what he thinks. And basically was saying, if you don't get gold, it's not worth it. And you know, if you're striving for gold, if you're not striving for gold, then why even bother? Um, and, you know, lots of backlash and people kind of came out and said, well, like silver's still good and bronze is still good. And there's two sides to this that I get. I think that what he's saying is, is that if you don't strive for 
goal for a gold medal, then you shouldn't be in the sport. Like you shouldn't be trying to play for bronze or silver. I understand that aspect of, of, of that sentiment. Um, on the other hand, I do think that bronze and silver are still massive achievements considering that like this is the the biggest stage in the world for a lot of these athletes. And, you know, like if you're an athlete from uh, there's a girl who won a gold medal in the Philippines, I believe it was for weightlifting. And, you know, that was the first gold medal her country's ever gotten. Um, but if it would have been bronze or, or would have been silver or whatever the case was, and I could be incorrect, it might've been a bronze or might've been a silver, but it was the first medal they've ever gotten. And they were just overjoyed and it was, it was unbelievable to see. So I think there's definitely still merit and, and, and still good things to come of getting third and or second place. I mean, yes, obviously gold is, is the best as, as I said, but, um, when you're playing, when, you know, when you're competing in a sport against the best in the world, no doubt best in the world showcasing their talents the best that they possibly can. And you're in the top three of that. I mean, heck I hang my hat on the fact that, um, you know, as a, as a 18 or I'm a 20 handicap in golf, but I'm like, a, you know, better than a massive majority of golfers in the world. And I hang my hat on that. Like, I'm not going to not be proud of that just because I'm not the best golfer in the world, but Tis the media these days, I will say. I mean, there's, and he was also very critical of uh, of Simone Biles. Uh, but hey, it's it, it it is what it is. So I mean, what you, you can't keep everybody happy, I suppose. Um, but talking about uh, talking about the best in the world, uh, Cam and I have talked about Xander Shoffley a lot. Um, just in terms of like I've said for a while, I always put him in as like a sleeper. Um, and I like to pick him in top fives in tournaments and top tens in tournaments, uh, just cause he always seems to hang around, but never gets the job done. And he got the job done, uh, this weekend, this past weekend, sorry, excuse me. And, uh, and won the gold medal for the U S, uh, not somebody that I necessarily had on the radar, but still, you know, unbelievable performance for him down the stretch. He, it was a little bit dicey, had to uh, get a nice up and down to kind of win that gold medal, but that's what you want to see. And I, and I just want to briefly talk about golf and the Olympics for a second here. Um, for, for the, for the, for the bronze medal, there was a seven man playoff, um, which was, which was awesome to see. And there were some really good golfers in it. Like Rory was in it. Uh, I think Paul Casey was in it as well. And these guys were talking basic and, and that might be incorrect, but Paul Casey comes to mind because uh, these guys kind of came out after the Olympic golf tournament was done. And they said, um, Hey, like, you know, we said some things prior to the Olympics about how it's not something that we really chase this and the other thing, but this experience has changed it for us. Um, Rory especially came out and said, you know, uh, I, I said some things that were uneducated beforehand. I said some things that maybe I didn't know what I was saying. Uh, I just want to make it very clear that this was an amazing experience. I would definitely do it again. I can't wait for Paris three years from now. And I think that's, you know, just in terms of golf being an Olympic sport, um, that's what you need. You need these high profile athletes, golf athletes to, you know, come out and support it. And, and, the one thing that, I mean, the only thing that I think is unfortunate is, is that, um, you know, you can only send a certain amount of players, you know, per country, which makes sense because the U S has all of the good players, which, you know, I, I totally get, um, that being said though, I would love to have a full field 
you know, Olympic golf tournament. I just, I think it would be awesome. It's not fair, obviously, because, you know, like PGA tour is a majority American golfers, but, um, I just think it would be unreal. You know, you see all of these guys competing and, um, you know, DJ Bryson, even kids like whoever, right? Like all these guys competing for that gold medal. Um, that being said, it's, you know, from what, from what I watched, it, it was awesome. It'd be really great to see fans in the stands and, and golf is still weird without fans. 100%. I mean, even the last couple of weeks we've watched, you know, PGA tour events and, uh, and you know, the, the, the open championship and they all had fans there and it just brings this element, um, to the game that, you know, you have the volunteers and everybody that's clapping, but it just, it just brings this element that you just cannot find, uh, at, you know, and that, that, that necessarily makes that as much of a difference. The only example that I can think of that makes as much of a difference. And I think this is a really good transition is the Toronto blue Jays on July 30th or 31st, uh, returned back to the Rogers center to, uh, they returned home Jays back home. Uh, they swept the Kansas city Royals on the weekend. And I watched this brief documentary. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like a behind the scenes of them returning home and just interviews with players behind the scenes and, and whatnot. And um, I just thought it was awesome, awesome to see. And I don't, I think that, you know, obviously as Blue Jays fans and as, as Canadians and people living in Ontario, we want to go to sporting events. I don't think that that's any shock for anybody necessarily. Um, but I think that it, I didn't maybe realize how much these players wanted to play in Toronto. Right. So, you know, they played in Dunedin. They played in down, obviously, as I said, down in Florida. They're up at uh, Salem Field in Buffalo. And there's Jays fans up there, like no doubt about it. Um, but according to the players, there's just nothing like playing at Rogers Center. And um, and the Jays are, you know, obviously they're, they're by their trade deadline moves, getting Barrios and Simber and guys like that. Uh, they think they have what it takes to to make a wild card spot or or you know maybe second in the division whatever they got to do so they're they're trying to or first in their division they're trying to get up there and this maybe is the jolt that they need they've won four uh four or five at home i i believe yes uh they played tonight um to wrap it up against cleveland but they played four or five they've won four or five at home swept kansas city lost one against cleveland in uh, in extras and then they won handsomely the night the next night um so i feel like it's all starting to come together for them but like i just look at that quote that um charlie montoya did you know they're talking about their opening ceremonies and he's like i just wanted to win the game i cared so much like the opening ceremonies basically had me in tears we've missed the fans so much so as much as um as much as we've missed the Blue Jays and, and we've missed watching MLB baseball in Toronto and in, and at the Rogers Center and in Canada, um, it's pretty evident to me that, um, and, and by these interviews, as I said, that these guys equally were excited to play in front of us and absolutely relished uh, that opportunity. Well, as I mentioned last week, uh, we're getting... Uh, Fans, friends of the show, people we've guys we've had on before, super excited once again and as always to have them on the show. And it's Sean Stacking the Money Green and Ryan Real Money Kramer of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining Over Six Sports once again. What's happening? Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy we, football season. Happy football season. We wanted to get you guys on. I know we had you on. I think uh, I don't know. 
three, four months ago, but uh, hey, love the crack of the beer. This is what we do on Over <laughs> Six. I love that. I've got my Canadian beer here set up. Um, but we had you guys on a, a few months ago. We talked a little bit of football. This was after the Super Bowl, but we wanted to have you kind of back on to kind of premise the upcoming season. I know that you guys cover pretty much everything from a sports race thing. Uh, hashtag Medina Spirit, my boy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no controversy there whatsoever, though. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this is kind of our wheelhouse. This is your guys' wheelhouse. So I just wanted to, uh, to start off with this, and either of you can kind of answer. Uh, which is there more misinformation about right now on the internet? Uh, COVID-19 or that Tua is a bust? Which one is more misinformation? <laughs> uh, definitely Tua is a, no, uh, I mean th- that the it's, I guess neither, or I guess I would go COVID <laughs> because the, the Tua is a bust uh, stuff is just, that's just good science. It's factual reporting. Yeah. I mean, Tua again, we'll, we'll see when the pads come on again, I'll, I'll happily come on the show. If Tua has an MVP season or even an above average season, I will happily admit I was wrong, but you guys, uh, hopefully Deshaun Watson's legal situation resolves itself. Oh, you guys can get a quarterback. <laughs> well, this kind of leads into my next question then is, is like, and you and I have kind of, you're Sean, you, you constantly post on Twitter about, uh, two out, I do two like, I do like, I like busting to his chops. Well, and I also have to defend my boy. I mean, you'd expect nothing less. I mean, this yes, is like exactly. on your guys show when, when, you know, you shit all over Danny dimes and Kramer comes off the top <laughs> row basically saying this is like what are you talking about so my my follow-up question to that is sean what do you then consider a successful season for tua like all jokes aside all that kind of stuff aside um obviously last season not a ton of success you know he didn't throw a pick for the first couple games but he also got pulled in some games so in your opinion and ryan feel free to chime in as well um what's a successful season for tua tungavailoa and the miami dolphins this season Nailed the pronunciation, by the way. Yes, he did. I just go with Tua because I probably can't get the uh, whole last name right. We're polite well, I in would Canada. Say, <laughs> we get names I would right. say, I would say, first off, you have to get to the playoffs because the Dolphins have a good roster, yep. good coach. So if he doesn't mess that up and helps them get to the playoffs, I think that matters. But really, for Tua, it's the yards per attempt. So I'll say. If he gets uh like seven and a half yards uh, per attempt, if he can get his like season long average up that high, that means they're having a pretty good season. And even his his touchdown interception ratio isn't it's you know like last year was eleven touchdowns to five interceptions. That's that's good if he can stay on that pace. But really for him, it's the yards per attempt. So if you can get it up to seven and a half, I'll I'll definitely be on board. And as well as keeping the Dolphins in the playoffs. I was going to throw out, you know, you could use the Jared Goff comparison 39, oh 52, 20 <laughs> touchdowns, 7.2 yards in attempt. He's got to do better than that. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's, that's even better. But like the bar sets so low with that. Like basically you're like, <laughs> as long as he's better than Jared Goff sucks Island, then like that's if, a successful season. If he, if he does that, he's in the top half of half of NFL quarterbacks uh, from a passing yardage pr- uh, perspective. That's fair. And yeah. I think. 
for a team that's probably going to run the ball more than they pass the ball, a team that's going to be defense first, that that would be like that might actually get Sean to well, shut and, up. And and four thousand. If he does that, if he if he goes four thousand like twenty five yeah. touchdowns, they're probably a playoff team. Yeah, let's say let's call it four thousand twenty five touchdowns. Because again, if he's hitting that now, normally passing yards aren't a great stat, but I think because Miami does have a good defense, because they have. Oh, good core around him. If he gets that four thousand yards, it probably means he's playing pretty well. So I, I four thousand passing yards is a good metric for him to try and hit. Well, let's go back to that though, Kramer. You're saying like they got a strong running game. Like can, I don't know what like as a Miami fan, I don't think we have a strong running game at all. I mean, it's pretty evident to me last season, especially. I mean, yeah, okay, Miles Gaskin was fine, but I they they, they didn't go out and grab any kind of like. I guess you, I mean there's multiple sides of that argument where they they didn't go out and grab, you know, running backs because obviously they have some faith in what they're doing. But also, if that's not their scheme, I mean, you can see that they've really tried to beef up their, you know, beef up their wide receiver core, right? So, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I would say that. Like I actually think that what you're saying, the four thousand twenty-five. I think that with this wide receiver core, core as long as you have you know Devontae Parker's healthy. Um, and you know, when Will Fuller doesn't get suspended for drugs again, then uh, I don't think that it's that. <laughs> Jalen Waddle is Jalen Waddle. Where, where's his health at, Jalen Waddle? I think he's fine. I don't know. I mean, he's definitely doing better than Carson Wentz is right now. That's for sure. So <laughs> does does that? That's something that, we can definitely agree on. Yeah, I mean, that kind of <laughs> leads into my next thing. Is is like so this latest? I mean, Sean, like he, the fact that he's now on the Colts. I mean, number one, there has to be some relief for you as a as oh, an Eagles huge fan. Relief. That that there's that's not on your roster, right? Yeah, no, totally. And and I don't want to dance too much on the Carson Wentz uh, Colts grave. Sure, you do. Yet. That's you absolutely that's, do. Get out of here. <laughs> I'll pretend that I don't. But I mean, really, for me, it's just thank God we don't have to deal with this. Thank God. You know, now I can just look at training camp reports and it's Jalen Hurts. You know, it, it, they're playing his playlist and he's throwing darts and moving around the pocket and they're doing darts. some RPOs. I love reading that stuff versus this five to 12 week timeline window if you're a Colts fan. And I, I don't know if. Carson Wentz was born on some, you know, ancient Indian burial ground where he has this curse. But how does he he this mysterious foot injury comes out of nowhere? Apparently, he's had for years, and then they're all pro guard Quentin Nelson, who is just a stud, yep. a beef of him, you know, just like a beefy O lineman who dominates. He comes down with the exact same injury days later. They're, they're, this team is snake bit now that they have Wentz. Everyone makes their own deals, okay. We don't know what kind of deals Carson Wentz has made, and we don't know with whom he's made them. So he but, wouldn't deal with the devil, Ryan. He's not that kind of guy. Um, yeah, the pendulum's swinging pretty hard. Maybe he's covering something up. Man, I just look at this and just say, like, you know, I actually think that he is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Carson Wentz is on a on a dollars per game basis. He's the oh, highest yeah. paid guy. He plays he plays two games a season. And not only that, I mean, is is this kind of the end, in your opinion, both of your opinions, is this kind of the end of the Carson Wentz as an elite quarterback era? Because he's been hurt. Now, it'll now be two seasons kind of in a row. If you want to go back to, you know, when, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, I mean, it's kind of starting to turn into a trend. Like, at what point are NHL, or sorry, NFL GMs, sorry, NHL in the brain because I'm up in Canada, um, NFL GMs looking at this guy and being like, okay, so especially the owners too, saying we're going to pay this guy 
to sit on the injured reserve? Like, at what point is that going to come back to kind of bite him in the ass then? Last year, maybe two years ago. I mean, I think if you talk to Sean and gave him some truth serum, uh, in hindsight, the Nick Foles coming in and, you know, elevating the team was probably the first sign. Uh, then, then the, the locker room stuff. Uh, and then it just seemed to all trickle out where I, you would probably say last year, right? Like no one wanted them. Somehow they got lucky and the Colts, the Colts threw them a little change yeah. on the way back. Well, I, I mean, don't think there was a huge demand for Carson Wentz. I'll say that. I don't think the Colts needed to give up what they gave up. I think you have some people that are friends outside of football that made a friendly deal. Yeah. I, I, it probably wasn't a massive demand. I mean, we saw there were flashes in 2018 flashes in 2019 where you could talk yourself into, Oh, Hey, if he just, they get him some receivers or the O line gets healthy. And then 2020 was just a complete disaster of from the beginning. I think this was seen this, this season coming up was okay. He's in the right system. Good offensive line playing in a dome, everything. I mean, really, if you're a, if you're an NFL quarterback playing in Indianapolis, like the way they had this team set up a uh, pre Quentin Nelson injury and, and pre left tackle issues, that was a very desirable place to play. But now, now like his, his season is clearly going to be messed up. He's not going to play week one. He's going to have this injury dragging on and it's going to mess up the flow of his entire season. Maybe I, I think he probably gets this season and maybe one more with the Colts. But I also think he's a candidate to retire early and pull an Andrew Luck and yep. and just say, hey, I'm just gonna hang out and hunt ducks. I'm tired of getting <laughs> injured. It, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled something like that. So I think maybe he has one more year with the Colts after this. But even that is, he, it feels like he's on borrowed time. It begs a grander question of just the millennial in general. Will we see players looking to play long periods or just get enough money to do what they've been coached to do their entire life, which is be free and get in touch with themselves? But why wouldn't yeah. you though? I mean, if you're getting paid that amount of cash, I mean, I look at guys just for an example in the NBA, like, you know, like Kyle Lowry, our boy from the Toronto Raptors near <laughs> the end of his career gets a three-year deal with Miami, 30 million a year. Um, there's certain players obviously who play for the love of the game. And then there's obviously other guys who are just like, Hey, give me my signing bonus. Give me my four, 8 million. Cause you got to remember, like a lot of these guys are coming from areas where even 4 million, $8 million, like this is money that is life-changing not only just for them but for their families right so yeah I mean, it, to be clear four million would be life-changing for me as well yeah you know maybe eight million for me but um <laughs> yeah i did i did do pretty well in a DraftKings uh, contest uh yeah who is the no no it's already there who is the guy again that cost you the money didn't you win like was it 750 oh, you won you, scott tolzine i, I won right. 200 grand 200 and grand. uh I was winning a million dollars until until Scott Tolzien <laughs> threw his second pick six of the day. Uh, again, Scott Tolzien played like six games in the NFL, and I, you know, happened to cost me eight hundred grand in one of those six games where he was a starter. Not that I'm bitter about it. Was it your but, boy Jong uh, Jong who got the memo for that? Was that I, I did remember <laughs> seeing that on your Twitter, and I was like, man, this guy's choked up. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So uh, yeah, screw Scott Tolzien. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. I mean, it, when you have life changing money, some of these players handle it well and, and some don't and, and some kind of lose the eye of the tiger. And again, as much as I, I find him annoying at times as a guy, you really have to tip your hat to Tom Brady. Who's 44. There, no other NFL player is 40. 
And again, he's probably on some crazy blood spinning uh, oh, stem cell type treatments, but the guy's still playing at a really high level at, at the quarterback position. It's just kind of insane. He's got a little bit more of the juice than Andrew Luck got. Yeah, exactly. Man, you like okay, if you go down to Vegas or down to Circa down in Vegas and you get those little buses that just boost you after your uh, your night out, that's what Tom Brady's getting on a daily. <laughs> yeah. Except for they're oh, not just filling with you fluid. He's actually just replacing the entire blood in his body. He's got like <laughs> multiple people lining up to give to give Tom Brady uh blood. So then just in terms of uh, uh, the Colts. So there's rumors, obviously, about Nick Foles going to the going to the Colts. <laughs> I just want to briefly touch on this because uh, two things. The first one being like, is is that is that a nightmare for Carson Wentz at that point? Like, does that bring up flashbacks of like, man, like this guy came in and I know I was hurt, but he kind of like stole the shine off of me. And number two, does that I like does it actually help the Colts at all? I mean, I would imagine it's just like a girl. You don't want to follow a huge dick. And so when the huge dick comes back <laughs> Big into dick your Nick life, coming back y- in town, you're, you're in trouble. And uh, yeah, I, I, you can't, the Colts can't trade for a quarterback one, because then they've already shown they're already showing they're losing faith in Wentz. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I guess if they brought in Nick Foles, I mean, they're just asking. So, they're just asking for so it. So awesome! I, I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, Frank Reich is good friends with Wentz, and actually, really good friends with Foles, which is the <laughs> weird thing. And Foles played really well in that Frank Reich system. I mean, we saw what he did in Super Bowl Fifty Two. He beat fucking Tom Brady. So uh, you could really talk yourself into the idea of. Is he a step up from Jacob Eason? Yeah. Is he a step up from whoever else they got? Yeah, he is. I mean, again, Nick Foles is Super Bowl champ. I, I, he's he's honestly perfect for Indianapolis if if Quentin Nelson was healthy and if they didn't have that hole because they kind of coming into the year, Indy had a really good offensive line, but the Nelson injury does change it. But if they had that line they had last year that gave Phillip Rivers a ton of time, like that's the kind of team Foles thrives on where he has a ton of time and he's actually a warm weather quarterback. So you put him in a Frank Reich offense in a dome where he has plenty of time to throw. That is like the Nick Foles trifecta. And yeah, I think he could be successful there. I don't think they do it just for the optics of it. And they don't want to piss Wentz off. They have so much invested, but uh, I mean, it makes too much sense. So who has more time in the NFL then Carson Wentz or Tim Tebow? Oh, wow. Great question. Oh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're pocket. Come on. But I just like that it's gotten to this where we're actually debating this question. Yeah, I, I think Urban Meyer, uh, we'll see. Again, if uh, he's Tebow making actually the ends up man. on the. I'm, I'm telling you. I think he. I think he's he I think he makes maybe the, um, I think the practice squad is a great place for Tim. He's going to be a part of the locker room. He's going to be on the plane, that kind of stuff, but he's not actually counting against your roster. If, if he brings in a guy who hasn't played in the league in nine years for your third string tight end and actually puts him out there, uh, that is tells you everything you crazy tells you everything you know. Well, and, and maybe he gets some look at quarterback. We're hearing rumors of uh, Trevor Lawrence struggling a little bit in camp. That would it's not be surprising insane. for a young guy, though. I mean, that's I, I mean, this has been Tua's problem, right? He's just new. He's just learning the systems, that kind of stuff. I would not be shocked to see. Uh, I, I actually have a bet with a buddy. I think it's that Tua even makes, or sorry, uh, Tebow makes the team. I think I've got like a two-four or a twenty-four pack of beers that he makes the team. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that bet right now because he's looking good. Now, in now camp. what do you? 
What do you have qualify as making the team? The fifty-three man roster. Because That's a good question, we actually didn't. We, we we did not define that. But if he's still, <laughs> I, I would phrase. I think it's this way: if he's still in the NFL, because guys get released left, right, left, right, and center all the time, and it's like on the road. See you later. If he's getting paid by an NFL team, he makes the team. <laughs> That's how I view it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Because I, I think what happens is they hold him till the final cut date. They he passes through waivers. They're and not going to they guarantee his million dollar squad. salary. They're, that I would be shocked about. Well, that that's what happens, right? If they if he gets practice squad, you get like five grand oh, a week. Oh, I'm saying if you make the team straight up, yeah, the, the, your the 50, salary the first goes fifty three. But the jerseys guaranteed. he would sell, the jerseys, the hype. <laughs> like, you can still sell jerseys on the practice squad. I guess, but I mean, I look at it like, like, look at the platform. This guy has this religious, like almost cult, like so- social media following where like the fans of Tim Tebow, no, no bounds. Like this guy's playing triple a and they're like, this guy's going to the MLB he's going to the big show. And he's kind of finding himself in the same position as in the NFL right now. So, <laughs> um, but the one thing I will say about the NFL, as opposed to the MLB, the NFL is not afraid to put uh circus clowns, on the big stage. Ask Johnny Manziel how that worked. I know that he's a Heisman winner and whatnot, but they kept him around at the game a long, long time. It's pretty evident <laughs> yeah, that he I'm, wasn't there, right? I'll say this. They have two guys that they're, they've committed actual money to and a guy they drafted in the fifth round. So maybe Tebow has a shot. I like your angle, Sean. I was trying to dig in to see if you could, is Tim Tebow even practice squad eligible? He did uh, throw a touchdown in the playoffs in overtime one. So he started a lot of games. I know at some point you stop being eligible for the practice squad, but anyway, yeah, good luck with that. I, I think uh, Sean and I are heavily on Tebow to go under his 12 and a half receiving yards on the season. Yeah. Lock it I, up. Let's go. I love to see one 13 yard. Like I, I like, <laughs> no. don't worry. Like I love you. I love you guys. I love, I love my, the mentions, my mentions will blow up if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> like I just think it'd be awesome just to see just one, just one Trevor Lawrence to Tebow 13 yard touchdown and just ruin a bunch of lives. A bunch of, be- bunch well, of it, it is. It, and also being on the opposite side of it, it is fun. We talked about uh, a Justin Tucker prop bet where he uh, yesterday on our podcast where the bet is he <laughs> wouldn't miss a field goal. So it's so fun because it's just basically every play that he's out there kicking a field goal until he misses, you have action on it. And there's could be a similar sweat situation with Tim Tebow anytime he enters in the game. You know, red zone's gonna cut over there, oh, yeah. and I'll be sweating bullets that he doesn't catch a pass. Man, the bookies like legitimately. It's an auto transfer. As soon as he jumps on the field, it's like they got millions on the line there. Uh, Kramer, you guys tweeted out a video this afternoon, and you guys were talking about Giants camp. Um, you guys kind of <laughs> ruined the question a little bit by posting that video. It's fine. Uh, I was gonna ask Kramer how how do you actually feel about fighting in camps? Uh, but like, I just don't like the, the people that are like all butthurt. I know that they were saying that, you know, Joe judge in the video you guys posted this afternoon, uh, a gambling podcast, you're, you're talking about, uh, basically it's the maddest that he's ever been. And I'm like, since when are you like, it is a job where it's your job to hit other people and you don't <laughs> hit other people for six months. And all of a sudden people get pissed at each other in a practice when you're vying for jobs, like to me, this is a normal part of sports. Like I don't get where the outrage is with this. People are just keeping an eye on what, uh, on things that they're scared of things that they fear. They're, <laughs> they're looking closely into the camp of the great Joe judge. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this is th- this is the craziest sto- like media tilt I've ever seen. People are coming out and talking about how bad this was. Are you kidding me? Like six months ago, you're you're asking questions of Daniel Jones. Well, he was in the middle of the scrap. He's part of the team. Cool, that's Bo- a good thing. Bottom of you, the pile, you, by the way. Not exact, just bottom of, of the pile. Bottom of the you're, pile. <laughs> you're saying, is this team really going to be able to 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 come together? Uh, that was the question last year. They kind of came together. It seems very clear they're coming together, right? The defense had the defenses back, and the offense had the offenses back. They they did their business. They ran their laps, and everyone's cool with it. And the last thing I'll say that I think is is a, is is the truth serum of what's really going on here is people see what's going on. They see the great the the new wave of the Belichickian disciple with Brian Flores down there in Miami and <laughs> oh, new, Brian Flores and, is a good and Joe Judge in New York and what are they doing? They're building teams the right way, the culture, the fit, and the people who are saying that this is like a, a sign of bad things have never. Sean is doing it just to piss me off. So I'm going to give him a pass, but like media members that are actually saying this, get the fuck out of here. Yep. And it, former NFL players on NFL network saying this is a bad thing. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's no, the same thing. Camp, training camps are fights are a part of it. It is funny that Daniel Jones was at the bottom of the pile. That I think <laughs> is, is funny. Ryan said uh, no one had a problem with running the laps. I, I think you have to take exception with that a little bit. Uh, because the Giants, they signed offensive You're lineman. Bring up guys on another team. That's <laughs> offensive lineman Joe Looney three days ago. Then uh, Joe Looney. Uh, this is like two days later. Uh, he didn't know running penalty laps was a part of the business in East Rutherford, but he quote loves it and embraces it. Uh, full team brawl happens, and then uh, Joe Looney. Uh, three days later, has decided to retire. He's so that I, that's pretty funny. Right? Second guy on the Giants was come in to the program, and Joe Judge says simply, "We expect everyone to work hard, everyone to bust their ass." Mm. And a couple of these guys, Todd Davis, lineback, former NFL player, linebacker, uh, Looney, former NFL player, lineman, decided, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. I'm not willing to put this much into a team. So again. Be scared because this shit's coming <laughs> together in a real way. I'll tell you what. So what what you're saying is is that these guys coming in they can't handle the heat of the courtroom because oh. Joe oh, Judge Russ. is in session. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean it. It is. It's it. Whatever you just said is perfect, but uh, they they can't handle the rules of the courtroom for sure. I love it. All right, I got. I just want to transition to some fantasy football. We got a couple minutes left here, and then I'll let you guys go. So. Um, Two things I want to get into. So the first one is is that a lot of our listeners, I, I know, like like me and Cam have been trying to get guys into fantasy football. It's just it's 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 big in certain areas uh, in Canada, but it's not as big as it should be or or whatever. Most guys, you know, there's a lot of people who are NHL fantasy guys, but they're not NFL fantasy guys. And I think mm. NFL fantasy is the best ever. It's way better oh, than baseball. For sure. Way better than NHL. There's no doubt about it. Um, during the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, you guys had uh, the Ten Commandments for for March Madness. Uh, I don't need ten, but give me a few commandments for drafting and fantasy football. Oh Ooh, man! This is a, and also, that, this sounds like what uh, a, an episode we need to do. It really I think does. So. Uh, I mean, I, you know, in the modern fantasy football world, thou P- shall PPR. not. It, exactly. PPR. Okay, thou shall not ignore the elite pass catcher. I, okay. I think. I think if there's one thing that, you know, if you dusted off uh, someone who had been frozen, maybe it's Luke Wilson. He's been frozen for 40 years. He comes back to reality. 
and he says, "Oh wow, uh, you don't just take uh, three running backs in the first three rounds anymore. What the whole first round isn't running backs anymore? Yeah, you just." It's really hard to catch up uh, when you miss out on elite pass catchers. Uh, even harder than than figuring out the running backs. Yeah, I guess for me, it well, I would just say off the running backs, thou shall not ignore pass catching mm. running backs because that's in the full point PPR. That really is the cheat code: is these running backs that also are involved in the passing game that easily, uh, oh, like uh, Christian McCaffrey, although he, he is planning on getting injured this season. Gio Bernard would be I have a first round actually, pick. This one round, sorry, I didn't try. I have one my first, I have a first round pick. So this is kind of some self-interest here, but like C-Max, one of those guys <laughs> that I'm like, all right, let's see what these guys say about this. Cause this could sway me one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you have to draft Christian McCaffrey. I I'm jokingly predicting he gets injured. <clears throat> I do like Chuba Hubbard in, in best ball and maybe, and if you draft uh McCaffrey, I do think you should handcuff him in a managed league, but um, yeah, I mean, finding these like deep and I was all over Antonio Gibson last year, finding these like deep uh, running backs that are involved in the pass catching game. Again, not a homer, but a Kenny Gainwell by all accounts is, is going to have a Naheem Hines like role in the mm. same way that Naheem Hines was like the third down pass catching guy in Indianapolis. He had like a couple really crazy spike games, uh, expect the same out of a guy like Kenny Gainwell uh, for the Eagles offense. So yeah, finding those, finding the running backs with the massive upside pass catching is huge. Yeah. The other thing I would throw in is especially you're talking about leagues with your buddies. Uh, you know, 12 team leagues, probably don't have the deepest bench. Don't absolutely. If you look at the rankings and you thou look at shalt the court, not, thou shall not, thou <laughs> shall not waste draft equity on a quarterback super early. Look at Ooh. who the 12th quarterback is. I mean, up until a couple of weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers was quarterback 12. You could have waited to the end of the draft, taken Aaron Rodgers. So I think in most managed leagues where you can stream, you have access to all quarterbacks. It's not two quarterbacks or anything like that. Uh, yeah, you should you should absolutely let your buddies take a quarterback in the second, third, fourth, fifth round while you're racking up those elite pass catchers and a couple stud running backs. I like yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, I think off that too. Obviously, with best ball, the, the strategy is pretty different because in best ball we have been taking the quarterbacks a little bit higher, but that's it, it's kind of a different formula where you need to draft two to three quarterbacks. Cause you're, you're playing the best yeah. one every week. And so you don't want to get screwed there, but to Ryan's point, managed leagues, you can really wait. Uh, I would still get one of the, one of the elite runners. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the last guy to draft a quarterback this year. I would be, but I wouldn't be the first. I, I think you can find a sweet spot with some of these, with your Kyla Murray's your Josh Allen's uh, your even a Jalen hurts. You could get probably QB 10, something like that. So Russell yeah, Wilson, uh, maybe quarterback. Russell Wilson. Year. Yeah, I mean, he's, mark. certainly if he's going late enough, you can take him because we're you know I'm heavy on on him to be the MVP, have a huge year, and that's the other thing. Like Sean's big on this, but thou shall stack even in season long, even yep. in managed. Like if you're gonna grab a quarterback, plan on taking the receiver too. You want that correlated output, especially come playoff time, so, so you can destroy DK. your friends. So you're taking DK, I, you're taking Wilson. I, I prefer the the Lockett Wilson stack. Yep. I think it's a little bit easier to get. Metcalf, you might get unlucky, and let's say you're drafting first, you might not be able to get him in the second round. So uh, I would say I, I don't if you can stack with everyone there, why not? 
but I think in season long that might be a little crazy. But maybe a Lockett uh, Wilson stack is well, is yeah, very and, fun. I, and I think I gave out Lockett to lead the league in receiving touchdowns at twenty to one. We have given we, out a lot of props. We, we went over the K. I'm pretty sure it was receiving touchdowns because Kramer and I Kramer gave out DK Metcalf. I gave out Tyler Lockett. I, I think. Metcalf was sixteen to one or, or fifteen to one, and then uh, Tyler Lockett was twenty to one. And to me, it was like a little closer to a coin toss. And why not take the guy with the higher odds, the guy who gets more catches? I think there is a world, and not to go too hot takey, but Lockett ends up being the better fantasy receiver than uh, than DK Metcalf in a full point PPR. I would say I would throw that. Out. I don't. I don't think that's. And I like DK Metcalf. I just think there's a chance Lockett is the guy, especially with this new uh, this new Rams uh, OC coming in, I, bringing that offense. I think the way you say that take is that uh, I I think Tyler Lockett at, at his fourth or fifth round value is a much better pick than DK Metcalf in the second. Yeah, DK may be a little overdrafted, although no, I love him. I, I I like that. And the last thing that I want to do before I let you guys go. Um, you guys do during the NFL season. One of my favorite segments on the sports gambling po- podcast is lock dog tease, but I want to put <laughs> a bit of a spin on it. Uh, so fantasy football players in terms of Ooh. fantasy football draft lock dog tease. So give me a lock on who you think is a lock in your lineup. Give me a dog. And by dog, I mean somebody who's going to be underrated, but it's going to perform well for the year and give me a tease. And the tease is going to be, it's kind of like, it's pretty much the same thing as a dog, but that could be like huge odds on somebody could be a backup player. could be somebody that's going to fly under the radar. Give me the lock dog tease fantasy players. And I know I'm springing it on you. So if you need to take a second to think about it, uh, go ahead. But I, I love to hear it. They say you, uh, if you stay ready, never have to prepare, whatever the fuck that is. All right. Lock. I mean, uh, to me, I think the lock is taking one of Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley and uh, Devonte Adams there. If you have a back end of the first round pick, I think that that whole tier of elite wide wide receivers, I'll even throw Tyree kill in there to me are the safest picks in the draft ahead of uh, some of these running backs. I think the reason the running backs might be ranked higher is, is just because of ceiling uh, for a dog. Uh, someone who I think both of us really like uh, he's, he's going, uh, he's starting to catch up to the ADP, but Robbie Anderson uh, going multiple rounds after DJ Moore in that offense is absolutely going to outperform his ADP. I think I saw in the high stakes stuff, he's come down to almost uh, seventh, sixth round. So I, I think he's draftable in the fourth round right next to DJ Moore. So don't be uh, silly there. And then what's the tease? Remi- give me one more time. So te- tease is basically that, that long, like that long shot guy. Could super, be a super deep, super long shot, oh. super deep. Could be a kicker. Could be like some guy on your flex. Uh, could be, uh, you know, saying uh, D- Danny dimes, like in the, <laughs> in the, in the 10th in the round or something ridiculous. Like hit me with something. That's a, that's a deep pick. I, I think it's it's and this is this is becoming ch- more and more chalky. But uh, don't be afraid to get Elijah Moore on your on your roster. Don't be afraid to get Jets on your roster. Corey Davis too. I, I I'm watching. I'm I almost said Sam Darnold. I'm watching Zach Wilson <laughs> in camp. I'm watching him talk. I'm watching him throw the ball. Uh, I watched that bomb that dimey through Elijah Moore, and it it had elements. We got all excited when he was in college at BYU. It's like oh. That looks like Patrick Mahomes out there. Those instinctual, like Aaron Rodgers does it too, where you just put a little bit more touch on the ball or you float. 
he has that. And by all accounts, Elijah Moore is wowing everyone. And so Elijah Moore is basically going undrafted in most managed leagues. That would be my, my tease, I guess. All right. Got a, got a lot in there. My lock. I, I think my lock. And again, it's, it's a lock. It's a heavy favorite, but give me uh give me Dalvin cook oh. as the number one oh, fantasy football running back. Lock that up. I think he's going to have the workhorse uh, role and, and just kind of like a can't miss guy in the first round. My dog, I'm going back to it. Cause miles Sanders. Now I think <laughs> last year, last year he was overdrafted at the end of the first round, but this year where he's getting drafted in the fourth round, I think that's, he slid too far. So I think he's in that dog uh, wheelhouse. And then my tease, my super deep uh, sleeper relatively, as far as a guy that you've heard of, I'm going to go uh, JD McKissick out of uh, Washington. I, I keep coming back to the Antonio Gibson and that turf toe turf toe doesn't go away. People, people think like, Oh, you're cutting. He's fine. He's going to be good. No, that a uh, turf toe is a nagging injury that does not go away. And JD McKissick had 80 catches last year. Guys were that productive are going to be a part of the offense. You don't just write them off the next year. And I think he has, if Antonio Gibson somehow Reaggravates it or is limited. I mean, JD McKissick could be like a top five, top 10 fantasy football running back. I know that sounds insane, but in full point PPR, I think that's like the, his ceiling. And he's probably going undrafted in your, uh, in your 12 team league. I like and it. Got, you know, and holy crap, uh, Heineke is getting a little bit more of the snaps than I think people expected oh, uh, with Fitzpatrick coming in. And so if Heineke ends up being the guy uh, to back to Sean's point, like I love his, his uh, pass catching floor. There. And, uh, and also too, I know instinctively just watching uh, Ryan Fitzmagic when he was balling out for the Miami dolphins, one of the best quarterbacks they've had in Miami for a long time. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Come on. When he was doing that in like watching him and watching how he just knows how to throw the ball deep down the field. My, my question was uh, he doesn't check it down to the running backs that often, but if you look at the actual numbers, he, he throws to the running back uh, a decent amount of time, like more than you would think just by watching his game. So I, I think that is in the realm of possibilities. Another tag for why I like uh, McKissick. There you go. I, li- I like it. Well, thank you boys for those picks. I know I sprung them on you, but this is the beautiful thing oh, about good. this sports gambling podcast is they're always prepared. No matter what you throw at them, they're always going to come up with some fire takes. Uh, Last thing, as I said, but before I let you go, it's not a question. I asked you a question before I let you go, but the the take on the twelve to one to Texans. By the way, I couldn't figure out how to tweet this uh, because I just the, the, there was nothing else I could say. But like, I don't know what odds you'd have to get me for to for them to go uh, to have a winning record. Twelve to one is not enough. Twenty five to one, <laughs> fifty to one, a hundred to one. That team is a dumpster fire, and you cannot. There's nothing that you can say. I don't believe that convinced me that they're going to be. Uh, a, a 500 plus team this year, and they're definitely not making the playoffs. I, I just think it was out, outrageous, which is, but I mean, hey, that's what you guys got to do, right? It was all about extracting value, but yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I, I think it's a long shot, but I also, th- what what do we say is more powerful than anything week to week betting in the NFL? Uh, the power of belief and the power of no one believing in a team. Uh, that's gonna that I have to imagine you're you're like everyone else and said that's a stupid. Fucking bet. That's a dumb bet. There is no value there. Well, that's going to drive the value up. So, well, then I'll uh, bet good on luck. It. Then I'll good. bet on it. So try, <laughs> when it gets to twenty, twenty-five to one, then 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 maybe I'll you know put a couple bucks on it. But they were a dumpster fire last year, and they won four games. Somehow. Little regret, little positive regression. <laughs> we're not far off. That's why it was twelve to I, one. I was with Kramer in that. 
I think we gave out at, at four to one or, or three to one Texans not to finish in last place. And that to me is a much more realistic yes. bar and, and payout. And that's still pretty juicy at three to one or four to one. Like you realize and, they got to go, they, they go nine and eight to get a positive season, right? Like nine and eight <laughs> Miami went 10 and six last year and missed the playoffs. These guys are going to go nine and eight from a four win season. That's like, that's a, that's a huge job. Well, it's like 200%. Ryan, I also do think if you like that take, honestly, David Coley to win coach of the year at a hundred to one is, that a is probably a better value because if they, if this Texans team wins nine games, they might, and would maybe sneak in in the wild card, that extra wild card spot. That to me is maybe the better way to play it. That's a handcuff yeah. right there. Like yeah, exactly. if you're, you're going to bet the 12 to one, talk about handcuffing <laughs> fantasy picks. That's when you got a handcuff 12 to one. David and Coley coach, of the, coach of the year. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Well, boys, I appreciate as always you guys are coming on. Uh, you could find uh, uh, to the Sports Gambling Podcast on anything you can get uh, podcasts on and on Twitter. Uh, super entertaining. Love their content at Gambling Podcast. Sean, Ryan, I appreciate it as always. I'm sure that I'll uh, we'll try to get you on down the road, probably six games into the season somewhere there, so that uh, we can get a little bit of Eagles and Giants fighting going on. It's either going to be all rise or whatever <laughs> the opposite of that is. So. Can't uh, wait. As I said, boys, really appreciate you coming on, and we'll chat down the room. All right. Take it easy, man. See you later. Once again, I just wanted to uh, give a big, big, big shout out uh, to the boys from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Love having them on the show. Uh, We will get them on, as I said, just at the end of that interview there uh, in the future. And uh, man, it's going to be uh, just a wild NFL season. I I love the NFL so much. Um, my wife hates it, but every Sunday and Thursday I'm glued, and, mon- and some Mondays I'm glued to that TV uh, like no other. And I mean, Miami's going to be super exciting. And uh, and as much as Sean says, you know what what Tua needs to uh, be successful. I mean, for me, and just in terms of success with Miami this year. I just I just want to see them compete, and you know they were ten and six last year. I think that that is achievable this year. Um, I'm really hoping that the the drama with Xavier Howard works itself out, um, but we're gonna have to find out. So uh, I, I don't want to go too too long on this podcast without Cam because he's kind of my other half. He's as I said before, he's my boy. And we kind of go back and forth off each other. There's just there's one kind of really important um, topic that I wanted to bring up, and then I'll um, I'll kind of pack it up. I'm trying to make sure we get a get about an hour of uh, a podcast for you guys. But this is what I want to bring up. Kyle Lowry it is it's not official because they have a kind of a week to work out this stuff, but it is official. Kyle Lowry is going to. Uh, the Miami Heat, the Raptors are working on a sign-and-trade. I think they need a third team involved to get it done. Uh, but they're working on a sign-and-trade to send Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat uh, for three years at $30 million a year. And there's mixed reactions from Raptors fans, and I just wanted to kind of give my opinion on that whole thing. Um, it's pretty obvious to me as a Raptor, and I'm not trying to be like pessimistic necessarily, but it's pretty obvious to me that we are in a reset mode. And by reset mode, all that means is, is that I don't think we're winning a championship this year. 
I don't think we're winning a championship next year. I think we have enough young pieces, absolutely, that we can build this team up and get to a point where, um, kind of like 2019, where we have a great core of guys, you know, we can bring in a veteran or two and really make a run for it. Um, but that's but I just don't think, in my personal opinion, that, that we're in that, you know, window to compete right at this very second. Um, so am I mad that Kyle Lowry left? No, he's he he won a championship with a team that many thought at the start he wouldn't be even with. I mean, this guy, it was probably like three times that they thought he was going to get traded or leave or whatever the case is. And he kind of came here nine years ago as, a, as this, you know, hothead in 2012 off a trade from Houston. And, you know, just they're like, oh, he's not signing here and he's not staying here. No one wants to play to Toronto. And to his credit, he embraced it. And, and was it easy all the time? Absolutely not. Did he butt heads with the, the team? Did he butt heads with Masai? Um, you know, after DeRozan got traded, it was pretty obvious that there was a frosty relationship between Kyle Lowry and Masai Ujiri. Um, but all of that culminated into a championship for this team. So Kyle Lowry can do whatever the heck he wants as far as, I, as far as I'm concerned. If he wants to go to a team with his buddy Jimmy Butler and a Miami team that's a good team, like they're back to being good again, and if he wants to go ring chase in a not obvious way, um, or even in an obvious way, I don't care either way, but if he wants to go do that, uh, he's more than welcome to. And I don't think that diminishes his achievements with the Raptors or what he gave this franchise uh, for the nine years that he was here. He, in my opinion, is the greatest Raptor of all time. And I mean, I, I'm sure one day number seven will be retired for the Raptors. I'm sure that one day there will be a Kyle Lowry statue of him just getting smoked, uh, in, you know, setting a setting up setting up a charge. Um, in front of the ACC, or sorry, excuse me, Scotiabank Arena, whatever. Um, yeah, he, he's he's able to do what he wants. And he said himself, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll retire as a Raptor, uh, whether it's a one-year contract. And, I, and good. If he wants to come back just for a victory lap, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, if anybody's surprised by this, I think that you, you know, I mean, the Raptors almost traded him. The trade deadline didn't. Now they're losing him to Miami. Um let the man go do what he wants. He doesn't owe us anything anymore. And frankly, um, you know, it's we, we shouldn't expect anything of it. He doesn't owe anything, but we also shouldn't have any, you know, expectations for this. He's a very talented player. He's going to help Miami, hopefully try to win for them. And, uh, and kudos and thank you to Kyle Lowry for the years that he put in with the Raptors. I know one of my good buddies, and he's been on the show before, Kyle Splash. One of his favorite jerseys when we're drinking and stuff is to wear the Kyle Lowry jersey. And I hope he continues to wear it. Um, not just because of what Kyle's offered to this team and, and just kind of the that, you know, devil-may-care, bulldog attitude, um, <clears throat> but also just as a memory, man. There's nothing wrong with remembering the past. And, and I always, you know, look back every time I'm down in, in my bar at home, I see the, you know, I got a replica flag, you know, championship banner. I got the hat. I got the ring. I got everything remembering this championship. Some of the best moments of our lives as Raptors fan uh, fans, as, and he is a major part of that. So I think that's the memories that we should have of Kyle Lowry. Uh, this is not goodbye uh, for Kyle Lowry. It's just see you later. And we will see him later. Um, I, I think that's all that I've got for now. Um, 
as I said, we are off next week. I'm going on vacation. I need a, I need a, I need a vacay, getting a little burnout this summer, my business and stuff, getting a little burnout. Um, so I'm taking a week off, no cell service, no nothing. Um, which, which will be nice, but we will be, uh, we will be returning the following week. So an episode, uh, will be coming out, I believe the 19th of August, and we will be in the middle of, uh, the NFL preseason. And that's coming up soon with the, uh, um, with the hall of fame game. And I just, it's just right around the corner. And as you could tell by the conversation with the guys from SGP, this is something that we're all looking forward to. And it's been a long seven months, six, seven months, uh, depending who you cheer for, uh, since the NFL has been rumbling on. And it is the most wonderful time of the year. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6 Sports, at Zachberg Over6, at C Charlton Turf. And for the Over Six Sports Podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke. And not with me, but with me in spirit, is Cam the Turf King Charlton. Thanks for listening to Over Six Sports Podcast, and I will chat with you next week.